Hello and welcome to another episode of One Star Bazaar, the podcast where we review movies that are potentially horrible to see <laughs> how bad they can really be. Critically deemed horrible. Crit- okay. Yes, <laughs> that's right. The movie's critics hate. This week, we are streaming the film Bird on a Wire. This is a 1990 action comedy slash screwball comedy starring Mel Gibson and Goldie Hawn. It was directed by John Badham, written by Louis, Louis, Louis or Louis? Nobody knows. Louis Venosta, David Seltzer, and Eric Lerner. This movie was released May 18th, 1990. Where it was number one at the box office. Yes. we Last week, we watched a film that was a box office complete failure. <laughs> made like $10 at the box office. $618. And this film made like, what, $160 million? $138, I think. $138 Here's the best synopsis we can find. Yes. The, the plot summary can be described as thugs chase a federal witness and his ex-lover cross-country, which, of course, doesn't really tell you anything, but we'll say that it's also a comedy, so we can assume that antics ensue. Yes, antics and hijinks. Now, this movie does have a 32% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 36% on Metacritic, so one of the rare times where they're pretty even. Um, It was difficult to find reviews from the time period on this one. So it's a little bit trickier, but here's what critics had to say. So Dave Kerr of the Chicago Tribune said, crass, shoddy, and crudely exploitative of the public's worst instincts. John Badham's Bird on a Wire reflects just about everything that's wrong with American movies right now, which in the 90s, like... Were movies that great in the 90s? Like, I what's mean, the bar there? Well, this movie, some, especially if you want to talk about action comedies or, like, action movies that had were lighthearted or whatever. I mean, this is only a couple years after Die Hard. Oh, okay. All right. All right. And for some slightly more positive reviews, Dessen Thompson of the Washington Post said, Screwball Romance Action Picture Summer Movie. Which, I guess, like basic popcorn flick kind of feel. Yeah, that's what I would say. And then a somewhat positive review from our favorite Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times said, In Bird on a Wire, director John Badham doesn't pay the dues before he brings in the exotic locations. We don't believe the characters, and so the elaborate chases and escapes and stunts and special effects are all affectations. And again, that's a slightly more positive. I believe Roger Eber also, in his review, which I skimmed, basically said they probably watched a bunch of Hitchcock films <laughs> and were like, yeah, let's do that. Like, let's do the, these elements, but not necessarily the elements that made those films good. Yeah. They're just like, okay, that, that action or that chase sequence is awesome. So let's do that. Yeah. So I picked this movie because I've never heard of it. Right. And it has Goldie Hawn and Mel Gibson. Right. So I was like, what? It was never on repeat. It was never in syndication. It was never like, I don't understand how this, I haven't heard of this movie considering right. how big the, the actors are and 
that it was never just on TV all the time. Well, and so people who listen or whatever, they might wonder, why would you watch this movie? Like, yeah, no one's ever heard of it. Nobody cares. It's resigned to the ash heap of cinematic history. But here's the thing. In current times, all these streaming services just need as much content as possible because they're trying to get people to watch their platform. Yes, they need the filler. So all of these movies are the filler movies that just, you know, you're going to come across as you are searching for the newest thing to be on Netflix, you know, like new releases on HBO, Netflix, Stars, Hulu, whatever. You're going to have this filler that you're going to have to sift through. And there might be people that are like, huh, I've never heard of that. I wonder if it's, you know, whatever. And so that's kind of what we're thinking is, huh, is this movie worth the crap? And we're going to find out. We are going to find out now. Okay, so we just finished watching Bird on a Wire. And we're going to go ahead and discuss our categories for our review criteria. And then there will be a little bit more freeform overall (laughs) reviews. So how was the acting? (laughs) We care about the characters. Okay. The acting was fine. But I am a little bit let down because I've seen these actors, obviously the main two, Mel Gibson and Goldie Hawn, work in other films, especially other films of this same kind of temperament, I guess you could say, where it's supposed to be kind of an action film, but with some comedy and whatever. Yeah. And I know those films work so much better. There's nothing wrong that they did as far as their acting ability. It's just that whether it's them developing the characters themselves or the writing, you know, just the way that kind of the screenplay was, was set up as far as the narrative, it just really didn't give them much to work with. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely feel like they, they have been better in other movies and it is, it is a bit of a letdown. And does the story make sense? Yes. And it's, it's very, I mean, it's basic. It is very basic. It's very, in line with like the tropes that you commonly see in these types of movies. You can't trust the cops. So you have to run away from everything. Basically it's, a, it's a, there's some degree of like a misunderstanding. Yeah. But at the same time, it gets more and more ridiculous. I feel like as the movie goes on kind of, but okay. I just have to come out and say this. This is, this seems like as good a point as any to, to talk about this element of my main beef with this film. This is not a comedy. Yeah, the com- the comedy is very limited. Like, <laughs> there's nothing, there's no funny, there's nothing funny in this movie. There are, like, things that they try to make one-liners, but, like, they don't really work. Like, okay, let me ask you this. Is Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom a comedy? Because that's essentially, I could boil it down in the same way. You have tough guy with shrill woman in tow and crazy (laughs) stuff happens to them. Yeah, That's basically what it boils down to. Yes. And that is not inherently a comedy. And this is not inherently a comedy. And we do also usually mention plot holes. This one has a major plot hole. Nothing is resolved. (laughs) 
Okay, well, we'll get back to that in a minute. That's part of this category. Okay, yes. so then the story, you're saying the ending of the story doesn't make any sense. No! Would you like to explain what the plot hole is? So, the misunderstanding that happens in the course of the story essentially makes them both criminals. Right. Federal criminals. Right. And there's zero resolution so as, as for that. The personal problem of them being chased by the bad guys gets resolved. That gets solved, but the but overarching they problem... they would still be criminals. Yes, they would the still the... be wanted by the federal right. government at the end of this movie. Here's the thing about this not being a comedy. Yes. Okay? Is, as you said, it gets more and more ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Usually, when you're talking about a quote-unquote comedy and stuff gets more and more ridiculous, that means it gets more and more funny in that ridiculous way. But, yeah. Not here. It's just like they get to a point, I don't know, like halfway through the movie. There's a plane parked in a field. And I'm like, they're flying that plane at the end of this, whatever happening. It's of course they end up flying the plane. There's okay, throughout this movie there's a lot of like foreshadowing, like two or three minutes before whatever foreshadowing happens. (laughs) So yeah, you're like, Oh yeah, this this thing's gonna that that person's gonna die. They're going to fly that plane. This is, that's going to blow up. This is going to whatever. No, and yeah, to the point of, at the end of their plane, whatever chasing, they're being chased by a helicopter. The helicopter goes down. I thought this helicopter is going to explode in ridiculous action movie style. Was surprised when it went down and did not explode was surprised for about four seconds and then exploded. Yeah. So, and then it was like, oh my gosh, I, uh, I, okay. So moving on then, yes. is the movie engaging? Okay, here's the thing. And this is part overlapping between this question and also what did this movie do well? Okay. Here's what's weird. Last week, we watched a movie called Billionaire Boys Club. Yes. And one of the points I thought was that the first, if you, if you divide it in three acts, the first two acts of that film were actually somewhat engaging and dramatic. And then it all just went off the rails and mm-hmm. it's like, I don't care anymore. Yeah. The resolution was horrible. This movie is the exact opposite for me. Is it? The first two thirds of this film was mindless, generic formulaic trope chase action movie scene like uh-huh. stuff but then we're and i was just like okay whatever it's it's fine i don't care it's not great whatever like nobody should watch this movie weirdly enough the end of this movie i liked interesting mainly because it was pretty unique that's very true. Yes, i feel like that is a rarity. I was actually kind of engaged for 10 minutes. I was like, huh, interesting that this is happening. And it wasn't boring. Like, chain reaction, it was just boring. Yeah. This, the end, it wasn't even that it was action. It was just that it was new. It was like, huh, okay. You know, what? Are there, there's like animals here. There's wild card elements, you know? Yeah. Wild card! I was excited for the prospect of Chekhov's crocodile. Yes. <laughs> the crocodile is going to be a part, but there was no crocodile. No, I mean, there was. But yet I was not disappointed because other animals were used. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Effectively. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, overall, yes. The, the, the beginning and the middle of the movie are very kind of blah. And then, yeah, the end's a little, a little fun. For sure. 
so you mentioned that the end was one of the things that did well. Yes. Obviously, there are a lot of things that did not do well. Um, didn't really keep us engaged for the beginning parts. The acting was kind of meh. But one of the other things that I kind of thought was surprising is so the director, John Badham, who I hadn't really heard of or looked up before this, directed a lot of generally considered to be good stuff. Well, so none is very good, but at least no. Okay. Right? Saturday Night Fever, War Games, Short Circuit, Drop Zone, Nick of Time. Yes. Like, again. they're considered- not necessarily good, but well known. Okay, well, whatever. So obviously he's like, and I mean, this movie was a commercial success and those movies were on, you know, on par with that. It's funny for a guy that you've never heard of, you look him up and you go, oh my gosh, he did these five movies. I've heard or seen all those movies. I mean, not a horrible director. Yeah. Also, I loved Short Circuit when I was a kid. I don't know if you've seen that. Are you? But. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh, no. I've seen Short Circuit. Circuit. Johnny Five (laughs) is alive. Yeah, no, I know all about Short Circuit. But yeah, no, this movie definitely has a lot of failings. And. Can, Can we talk for a second? Since we're talking about the director's kind of career trajectory. Yeah. Having done a little research for this film, I was surprised. To really examine Goldie Hawn's career, I guess it's it's weird because to look at this, Goldie Hawn, this is kind of the downswing of her career. Yeah. Whereas this is the upswing of Mel Gibson's career. Well, and to be fair, at this point, what did you, you looked it up. She was like 40 something when this came out. She was like 45. Yeah. So at that point. For Hollywood, she's too old to be doing the the lead in the romantic right. whatever movies. So she does have to kind of But not go, old enough to be the mom. Yeah, yet. but not old enough to be the mom. So she does kind of have to take on those comedic, like old maid sort of roles. Well, I'm glad you pointed that out because what's what was weird about this film, she's 45. Mel Gibson is like 10 or 11 years younger than her. Okay, but Looking at them on screen, they look like they're in the same age bracket. I didn't think so. I thought they looked pretty, okay. yeah. Well, either way, they looked... Too e- okay, fine, you're right. She did look younger, I think, than she was in real life. But that was more problematic because in the film, she hasn't seen him for 15 years. And you're like, what, were you guys like 19 when you last saw each other? Like, what? How long could you have been together? It's not like, you know, they were married for 10 years and then he disappeared. Like, they were 20. They've been dating for a year or two. They were engaged. Sure, they were going to be married. The love of of her life, I get it. And then he disappears and it's devastating. But it's like, really? You're 20. How? Who cares? You know? Get over (laughs) it. It's a summer fling romance. I mean, it's whatever. Get over it. Yeah. The one thing I will say that this movie has going for it, which is one of your common complaints, is they don't have ridiculous drops. That's true. Like, they're older, so she's a lawyer, and he's a kind of jack of all trades. Yeah, and that almost seems ridiculous, but I definitely have met people, and I know there's people out there that are just good at everything. Like, because he's been in the witness program and he's moved around and they're like, oh, this is your new job. Like, he's a car mechanic. The point is, 
I'm like, yeah, I, there are definitely people out there that are just really handy and skilled at like learning stuff and yeah. they just totally would do that. So not going to complain about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but I think we can go ahead and get to our last category of critique, which is when it was over, did we wish we had not watched or was it enjoyable? It was okay. It was, it was kind of, I don't know. I feel like you could, you could watch like the first 10 minutes where they like introduce all the characters and Goldie Hawn and Mel Gibson like meet up again (laughs) and then just fast forward for like an hour and then get to the end. Isn't that kind of a harsh critique, <laughs> though? You're basically like, yeah, just don't even... Because, no, I mean, the thing is... It's fine. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, like, ridiculous things that happen in this movie. But I think while we were talking, while we were watching the movie, we both mentioned that this movie reminds us of Night and Day, which was a recent movie that came out with Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz. Yeah. And that is kind of the modern corollary of this film. Yes. And if given the choice between those two movies, I would much rather watch Night and Day because it's way more entertaining. That's true. Well, and the funny thing is, Night and Day, I think, is the example of what this movie could have been if the actors and, you know, written characters and whatever had been fleshed out better to be a little bit more comedic and more you know it have it make sense to what ridiculous stuff happens yeah and i said recent and now i feel old because that movie came out in 2010 eight years ago (laughs) yeah i thought it was like five years ago but yeah fair enough but i mean they both haven't aged so it might as well have come out (laughs) recently which is also available for streaming on hbo go at the moment um but yeah it's the same kind of you know, ridiculous action, like, oh, someone drawn up into circumstances they don't belong in. Right. And they just kind of roll with it. Um, but that one's actually funny. It is funny. And, like, Tom Cruise is kind of... He's he's funny in that, I think. He's just like, oh, yeah, hold on. <laughs> Gotta kill seven guys. Yeah. Okay, well, you know... And also, with this movie, t- or with Bird on a Wire, I felt like the romance was like very forced. Like it didn't feel like there didn't really seem to be much natural chemistry between them. Whereas in night and day, I feel like there is kind of a natural chemistry between Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz. It's a pretty major flaw because in this film, they were lovers. Yeah. They were supposedly past lovers. And so we don't, and they get to the point where like they fall back in love. I mean, whatever, you know, it's going to happen, but there's not really, again, there's not an obvious natural arc of that happening. But yeah, I think, I don't know. So would you recommend this movie then? Let me answer that with this. Would you recommend very many movies from the 80s and 90s to people nowadays? Short Circuit. You'd recommend Short Circuit? Okay. Honestly. So there are movies from the 80s and 90s that I would recommend. Yes. However, they're on kind of like a different level. Like, I mean, a little bit about Back to the Future. 
True. Well, obviously, there's going to be like the great films of any era, right? Okay. Like, would you recommend any movies from the 40s? Well, yeah, obviously, Casablanca is one of the greatest. Movies and what about made. the vacation movies? You know, if this movie were actually funny, I would probably say it's kind of of a similar quality as Vacation. Hmm. But Vacation's actually funny, so it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are like better options to watch, but I mean, this it's not like this movie's terrible. This movie's not terrible. No. It's not awful, and it does have. And I'm not and upset. All the Indiana Jones movies came out in the eighties and nineties. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, when I said that as a tongue-in-cheek kind being of thing, I wasn't, saying, would you, I wasn't saying no. there's no redeeming film from the 80s or 90s. <laughs> Clearly, some of my favorite films are from the 80s. Like, and that's most not of just, my favorite films are from the 80s. And it's not just nostalgia talking. Like, we're talking critically proven to be no, good. Raiders of the Lost Ark might be the greatest film ever made, in my opinion. And that was 1980. Two? 1981. Okay. Yes. I'm, just, I'm embarrassed I didn't have that exactly right. <laughs> My point is, there's always going to be movies that get made because Hollywood just makes stuff. They want to make a buck. And this movie made a lot of bucks. And yeah, exactly. And then after that, they don't really care. There's there's movies. Every actor that's famous, you look at their filmography, and they're going to have a couple films where you're like. What is that? I've never heard of that. Or I, oh yeah, I kind of vaguely remember when that came out. Which is why our next movie is so surprising. Do you, Famous actors, hot right now. Never heard of it. Yeah. Came out last year. That's the, my point is that there's always movies like that. They yeah. can come out, they can be good, they cannot be good, whatever. Quite honestly, in 20 years, no one's going to care. True. And they will serve to be filler on cable channels and streaming services. Yes. And unlike some of the past episodes we've had where I've been like angry or like waxing philosophical about like last last week, Billionaire Voice Go, you were kind of surprised that I was basically mad like, that it got made. <laughs> I, wasn't even, I wasn't mad that it was made. I was just indifferent. I was like this, uh, it didn't matter, you know, it had served no purpose. I don't feel strongly about this film, which is kind of a good thing, I guess. I don't feel strongly, and I don't feel strongly ambivalent either. I'm not like, ugh, whatever, I don't care, it's a movie, whatever, who cares? I do feel strongly that the major plot point was not resolved at the end of the movie. <laughs> it's the giant sinkhole of a plot hole. Yes, they're still criminals. But other than that, the movie's fine. <laughs> this movie is better than Chain Reaction. Oh yeah, by far. And they're very similar movies. They're both lots of running, lots of cha- lots of chasing things that you've never seen before. Chain Reaction never saw. A helicopter chasing a swamp boat on a frozen lake. <laughs> this movie, I've never seen a crop dusting plane land on top of a moving helicopter <laughs> and crash it. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's magic. <laughs> I'll tell you what. And that was more exciting than the helicopter frozen, the frozen boat <laughs> swamp thing. This was better than that. Yes. 
I definitely can understand Roger Ebert's point about this having elements of like Hitchcock because this is kind of North yeah. Northwest, which is a lot what a lot of people had to say about Night and Day too. They were like, "Oh yeah, everything you love about Hitchcock is in this movie." Basically. Right. The difference is Night and Day takes a North by Northwest and goes, "Let's go crazy ridiculous Let's funny. take it to 11." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's do Kind of like what the Kingsman did, which I mentioned that because we recently we did that. just watch those. Yeah, those kind of took the idea of like a James Bond film and just said, let's just make it ridiculous and it'll yeah. be awesome. <laughs> and that's what Night and Day did. And I, you know, not that Night and Day is the greatest movie ever, but it's a solid movie. What is it? It's a fun movie. It's a fun movie. So fifty-two percent yeah. on you know Rotten Tomatoes. Good enough. This movie didn't do that. And I wish it had. I wish it had gone more ridiculous. I yeah. wish it had had... They played it too safe. This was an era where it was very obvious that like action with lighthearted whatever was doing well. Because this is only a few years after Die Hard. And that was a monumental success. Which this was also a success. Yeah. But obviously I think a lot of studios were probably going, oh crap, we want to make the next Die Hard. Basically Hollywood is all about playing it safe and trying to recreate what has been proven to work. Yeah. And a lot of times that's great and it works. And a lot of times you're like, you can't re you can't catch lightning twice, you know? Right. Yes. This is not a failure of a movie. Mm -hmm. It's not a bad movie. We decided it's not, uh, it was not a commercial failure. Nope. Not even that big of a critical failure because certain critics were more kind to it than others. Yeah. So, I mean, Roger Ebert basically gave it like a C. And I, I'm i still very confused about what movie he watched <laughs> because his review mentioned like exotic locales or something. Uh -huh. Where and were the exotic Detroit? The, the Midwest? Racine, Wisconsin? <laughs> yeah. Like, what is Drive where? from Michigan to Missouri? <laughs> Missouri? Like, when did they go to Missouri? St. Louis. Oh, they go to St. Louis. That's right. But yeah, yeah it's like, like uh, what, what locations are we apparently talking about? driving a motorcycle chase scene through back alleys of Chinatown qualifies as Chinatown in Racine. Is that a thing? Where is that? I don't know. <laughs> But anyway, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's maybe the inside of a zoo, <laughs> maybe, of natural history maybe that's what he was talking about. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, yes. So it's not terrible. It, um, it is. It's it fairly is, decent. This movie is a great example, I think, of mediocre films from the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Is this a one star movie? No. Bird on a Wire? No. No. Is it a three-star movie? I feel like that might be too high. I feel like it's two, two and, and a half. Two and a half. Two and a quarter. Yeah. I agree. Somewhere between two and three. But not high as three. So would you say don't necessarily actively seek it out, but don't avoid it? Yeah. You know? If it pops up. Why is this film called Bird on a Wire? Great question. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. There's a song? It's not relevant to the plot in any way. And it's not even like it's a... Is it like a saying? That's what I was going to say. It's not even like it's a famous saying. Is it because at the end in the zoo, there's a bunch of birds? No, I don't think so. Because if you Google bird on a wire... Yeah. 
This is all. Well, there's up. a song by Leonard Cohen. Okay. Maybe whoever wrote this movie liked that song and thought the lyrics somehow fit their relationship. I don't know. That's weird, right? Yeah. Is that kind of a maybe a weird pet peeve? But I bet a lot of people have it. It's like, why is this the title? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I don't know. Thank you for listening to this week's One Star Bazaar. Next week, we will venture into our first horror movie of the podcast. Came out last year, 2018, and stars surprisingly famous people. So stay tuned for that. Feel free to visit us on social media at One Star Bazaar. Let us know what you think of our podcast. And if you have any suggestions of movies we can watch, we would welcome that too.